Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Off and rolling. Welcome in Tuesday, October 17th, 2023. It's time for the Gabe Kuhn Show. I am your host. Former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Kuhn on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, how's it going? What's up, sir? How's it hanging? Uh, not much. Not much. A nice little Tuesday. Got some things done around the house. Cleaned my flower beds. Did all that. Oh, look yes, at you. Yeah, pulled some weeds. Did the whole thing. Sprayed down. My, uh, you know, get, we have like a little rock area outside by... Uh, my fire pit, and I sprayed sprayed down with a little bit of Roundup. Make sure those those weeds don't come up through it. So, yeah, I got some things done around the house. Did you? Did you? Did I? Have you accomplished? Have you had a productive day so far? I've had a semi-productive day. I'm glad to I'd hear. say. I'm getting getting ready to go out of town this weekend, so yes. that's what I'm getting ready for. Rock on. Rock on. So you'll be gone Thursday and Friday. Correct. That is correct. I will be back Monday. And Brad Carson will be in here on Thursday and Friday. Talked to him about UNLV today. He was having a lot of fun with UNLV <laughs> and Barry Odom, my, one of my former coaches. But either way, welcome in. Three hours of talking the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. Going to open on Monday Night Football. Cowboys handle the Chargers 20-17 to in SoFi. One, as much as the Cowboys completely fell short against the 49ers, I had questions about what they were going to look like. Um, you sit at three and two. You don't want to drop to three and three. I thought they looked good. I thought they came through. I know it's the L.A. Chargers, and they consistently sort of fold in pressure situations. But I thought it was an impressive win for the Dallas Cowboys and a win that they desperately needed. And also what came under scrutiny yesterday, because I didn't think he had a good game by any stretch of the imagination, was Justin Herbert. And we know, like, this is very polarizing, isn't it, Connor? The Justin Herbert conversation is very polarizing. We have Jeffrey Wright, who you just heard. He's a Justin Herbert truther for the negative. I'm a Justin Herbert truther for the positive. It is a very polarizing conversation, to say the least. It is, and there's not an exact right answer. You know, no. it's it's. I think a lot of Justin Herbert 
is from your perspective and what you want Justin Herbert to be. Yes, and, and like, by no stretch of the imagination is he above criticism, but some of the criticism's just a little bit unfounded, and I'll explain that here in just a moment. Also, there's been a couple of interesting signings of some uh, NFL veterans today. So we have Julio Jones, who's found a team, and James Robinson, who's found a team. I don't know how much they'll help the teams they're on, but we'll talk about those signings and get through that. Uh, in the NBA, we do have a little bit of Grizzlies preseason discussion. They have their preseason finale on Friday in Milwaukee, and it looks like Marcus Smart is planning on playing. And I had questions about if they were going to play their full roster, run out all the guys they expect to start in the regular season. But if Marcus Smart's going to play, I'd imagine that they're going to try to try to run out everybody. And we'll get a, a dress rehearsal, if you will. So we'll get to that as well as the uh, Kevin Porter Jr. trade, which went through today. Rockets offloaded him to the Thunder, and the Thunder are going to wave him. Thunder got, guess what? <laughs> Tell me if you've heard this before. Draft capital. They have more draft capital. Then you can, I mean, good lord. How many draft picks do you need? It's At some point, you insane. just have to sit back and, like, Sam Presti, like, how much? How many draft picks do you need? But they got draft capital out of it. We'll, we'll go through that as well. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins at 5 o'clock from the Jeff Calkins Show on the Daily Memphian. 6 o'clock, Christian Fowler, as is customary on a Tuesday from Bluff City Media. And uh, our podcast came out today. It comes out every Tuesday at noon. Talked a lot of Tiger Football, the loss to Tulane, but we're going to get into some NFL, some Tigers, Tiger basketball, the whole nine yards with Christian at around six. Our podcast, again, is on the bluff. You can find it on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify as well. Blitz will be at 630, and we have a couple of quotes from uh, different coaches in different sports. One out of college football, Dabo Sweeney. I mean, the only way I can read it is he has basically – Without saying it directly, he's basically said winning is bad. I'll explain that when we get there. And then Steve Kerr says that Chris Paul is needed on that Warriors roster for leadership. Again, my antennas are up. My antennas are, are, are absolutely up on what's going on within that uh, locker room with Clay Thompson wanting extension, not getting it, Draymond, all of the antics from last year, punching Jordan Poole in the preseason. I'm curious about how this goes over in the locker room and what this actually means with Steve Kerr saying that they need Chris Paul desperately for some, uh, some leadership. Um, also a trip around the NFL at 5.30, bunch of things to talk about there with injuries. Um, a former Tiger finally signed back into the NFL after a, a long respite, so we'll get to that as we get into a trip around the NFL at 5.30. Of course, small talk always at 5.30. 50. Now, Monday night football, Cowboys were two-point favorites. They ended up covering by one, 20-17 Cowboys. I think off top, I, I have to make it very clear, Dak Prescott outplayed Justin Herbert. Dak Prescott was very good last night in a lot of ways. The one missed throw I can really point to is the one in the end, down the sideline, wide open Tony Pollard. He just overshot him. But I thought throughout that game, he was delivering balls on point. The, the, the uh, throw to Brandon Cooks for the touchdown in that second half, was a beautifully placed ball. I thought his best placed ball was an absolute dot over the middle of the field into there's a safety over top, there's a linebacker and a corner on Michael Gallup's back. He placed it about as good as he could. Should have been a touchdown reception, but Michael Gallup hit him right in the chest and he dropped it. That was an absolute dot. I thought Dak Prescott was locked in. He finished the game 21 for 30, 272, a TD. He ran the ball relatively well, 7 for 40 yards and a TD even though he was sacked five times. 
Um, I was impressed with Dak last night. That was a good rebound performance from what the hell that offense and what Dak Prescott put out against the 49ers. And I think overarchingly, you look at the Chargers versus the Cowboys, and you expect the Cowboys to come out with a win because the Chargers always crumble under the pressure. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but unlocking his legs, Dak Prescott, and, and him having a very good game not turning the ball over, we saw C.D. Lamb show up in a big way, seven receptions, 117 yards. Brandon Cooks had a touchdown. Stephon Gilmore had the pick on Justin Herbert to seal up the game. Micah Parsons finally got after the quarterback on that last drive of the game and, and got a sack on Justin Herbert. The Cowboys, when they needed it from their premier players last night, they showed up and they made it happen. And I think even though it was 2017 against the Chargers, it was a road game. I term that, especially considering last week 42-10 to 10 against the 49ers, being a little embarrassed, having to bounce back. I consider that a pretty good win and an impressive win for the Cowboys um, with all things considered. Absolutely. I think you can look at it and say that the defense absolutely bounced back, and I think that their skill position players played really well. I liked how they used Tony Pollard last night. Like mm-hmm. They really were trying to get him the football uh, with, with the receiving game, and I thought that was interesting. It helped him kind of get it going on you know, the run game. He only had 30 yards, but they fed it to him 15 times. So it just it looked like a better version of the Dallas Cowboys. They kind of threw away the game, I suppose, last week because it was just a smacking, and they had to win this game. It wasn't a must-win, but it was a must-win for morale, yes. and that's what they did. And I think, I think their morale will be high. Now they're going to have a tough, ske- tough stretch of schedule coming up, but we'll see how they can manage it. Um, but I thought overall, impressive win for the Cowboys with all of their premier players, high-paid players, stepping up to the plate and making things happen. Really good defensive performance. Um, on the other side, Chargers are going to charge her, man. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. How many times do we have to see this team get into a three-point, one-score game, whatever it is, and then flail under the pressure? It's just it's what they do. Over the past three years since Justin Herbert's been, a, been in the NFL – this Chargers team has just flailed around, been, you know, even with the elite quarterback talent that they have, they have not been good enough defensively. They've been miserable. Uh, they haven't had a run game to lean on. I think Brandon Staley, I would term him as a bottom four coach in the NFL. Last night, the field goal that he did not settle for and went for it down, uh, down, near, uh, down in the red zone, he would have loved to have that field goal at the end of that game. I mean, that, that final possession where Justin Herbert threw the pick to Stephon Gilmore could have been a, a potential go-ahead score, um, but instead he throws the pick because he's down by three. You feel the pressure. There's a lot of things that go wrong in those situations. Now, with Justin Herbert, I, I saw a lot out there last night, and I understand there's people that make excuses for him, and I don't think he played good last night. He missed way too many throws. Keenan Allen was wide open on two, two occasions, and he sailed the ball, underthrew it, whatever it was. It looked miserable. He had a couple of time, a couple of throws down in the red zone that he missed. There was one to Austin Eckler where if he just throws the ball a little bit earlier, Austin Eckler walks into the end zone. Instead, he throws it late. Austin Eckler tries to get upfield. He gets stuffed at the goal line. Now, did they score on that drive? They sure did. Gerald Everett caught a ball. But um, in the end of the day, I thought this was not a great effort by Justin Herbert, even though – you look at his box score and you don't, I mean, this is, I think this is the story that a lot of Justin Herbert truthers to the negative, like Jeffrey Wright would tell you. Um, this is the type of stat line that doesn't tell the whole story. He's 22 for 37, 227 yards, two TDs, one INT. 
Um, but I thought he played a relatively bad game considering what we've come accustomed to with Justin Herbert. But I saw a lot out there online uh, about him. Uh, Ryan Clark came out and basically said he's not living up to the hype that we expect him to live up to. He said there's something missing with Herbert right now. He's a fantasy football owner's dream and an organizational mirage. Lots of empty promise so far when it matters the most. Emmanuel Acho came out. He's called him a social media quarterback in the past. And then Nick Wright um, from Fox Sports said Herbert walked into the NFL as a B-plus, A-minus quarterback, and four years later he's exactly that. He's objectively quite good by any measure, but given how he looked in his rookie season, including in his very first game, I really thought he'd be more by now. Now I want to pick through this because I just find it interesting, the overarching viewpoint that we saw on Justin Herbert's off night last night. I understand he's in front of the cameras. He's on national television in prime time. um, And that's all a lot of people get to see of him. And he didn't show his best. Um, And also last year in the playoff game, they saw that the, the large comeback, the offense just shriveled under the pressure defense shriveled under the pressure as well. But I just want to get through some of this criticism. Some of it's fair. Some of it's unfounded. Um, One, the first thing you'll hear about Justin Herbert is he can't win big games. And quite frankly, in his career, he's about 500. You see that he really does pick apart and, and win the games that he's supposed to against teams below 500, and he tends to struggle against teams above 500. But the truth of the matter is, it's hard to win big games with a bottom four coach in the NFL. Earlier this season, he had a game-winning drive against the Vikings to go up 28-24, and we remember how that game almost ended. They're on their end of the field. They have a fourth down. Brandon Staley decides for them to run the ball and try to go get the first down. They don't get it. The Vikings have a chance to go take a lead with about a minute and a half left. Now, luckily, the Chargers defense stood up in that situation, made something happen. But think about this. Justin Herbert in that game was 40 for 47, up over 400 yards. He had three TDs to zero INTs, and they only won 28 to 24. And quite frankly, the Vikings should have won that game because they had an opportunity at the end on their end of the field to go make it happen. You have a coach that's bottom four in decision-making. He came in as a defensive coordinator from the Rams, and defensively he's been miserable. If you go through the numbers just generally with the Chargers, since Justin Herbert has been in the NFL, and I, I understand defense was not the issue last night. They, they, they held down the Cowboys for the most part. They only allowed 20 points. They, 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 they uh, got 17. You need to have more than 17 to win a game in the National Football League. But since Justin Herbert has been in the NFL, we're just going to count the three years uh, previous to these few games he's played in 2023. His offenses have scored 1,233 points through his first three seasons. That's the most in NFL history since the merger. So offensively, they've been phenomenal. But on that same token, what can Justin Herbert do on the other side when his defense Set a similar record. 1,256 points allowed through his starts in the first three seasons. That is the most in NFL history since the merger. So just generally speaking, he's not getting the help, the pull he needs from his defense game in and game out. And that's got to be a frustrating feeling. Now, the other thing that you also hear about Justin Herbert is that he can't come through in clutch moments. And quite frankly, there has been several occasions where he has not come through in clutch moments. I can totally agree with that. But he gets put in those moments week in, week out. And the truth of the matter is, if you sift through the numbers, he has 14 game-winning drives since entering the NFL 
in 2020. You know that's tied for second in that same time span? In that time span, since he's been in the NFL, he's tied for second in game-winning drives. And then people would ask, okay, he's had all these opportunities. What's his percentages? What are his percentages like when you compare him to you know quarterbacks from the past, quarterbacks in the league right now? His percentages aren't bad as well. He's 14 for 32 when he's given an opportunity to go, to go get a, a game-winning drive. Do you know who that beats out? Do you know who that is? 14 for 32 is right around 43.7, 43.8%. Do you know who that beats out? Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Dan Marino, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Lamar Jackson, Carson Palmer, I mean, he, he gets it done in, in these situations more than people give him credit for, but he's put into those situations every single time. 32 opportunities for a game-winning drive through three and, and three and some change years? That's too much. That shows me that your team is not getting it done on the other side of the ball when you need them to get it done on the other side of the ball. So I think there's a lot of stuff out there about Justin Herbert and him shrinking in the moment. But the truth of the matter is, this is a guy who needs grace. And the third thing I want to point out, we always talk about quarterbacks being dropped in the NFL in good situations. Patrick Mahomes had Andy Reid, and one of the best play callers of all time. He had Travis Kelsey. He has a good Chiefs organization. They operate in a good way. Um, when you look at like a guy like Josh Allen, Sean McDermott's done a good job for him. We can keep going down the list. Um, but there's some quarterbacks in the past that you just sort of look at. I'm going to bring up Alex Smith. Alex Smith with Mike Singletary in San Fran was a miserable quarterback. What happened when he was traded to – he got over to the Chiefs um, in their current setup. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes ended up taking over. He was a completely different quarterback. How about Jared Goff? Jared Goff, when he was with Jeff Fisher, the number one overall pick, he was miserable. He was being termed as a bust. Once Jeff Fisher gets fired, they bring in Sean McVay. No longer a bust. Best offense in the entire NFL. They make it to the Super Bowl. Of course, they lost it. They only scored three points. We can litigate that all we want. But he was a substantially better quarterback. And now with Ben Johnson in this Lions organization, look at what he's doing. So you just look around. Expectation needs to be tempered in a lot of ways based on situation and coaching. And the truth of the matter is Justin Herbert has been in the league for three years. His first year with Anthony Lynn, who was ultimately fired. His last two years with Brandon Staley, who everybody in the Chargers orbit once fired. Arguably, I don't even think arguably, but you can't argue with me, a bottom four coach in the NFL. I don't think a lot of people would argue that. So I think all these different things coalesce And you have to have nuance in these conversations. And I said last night, and I got a little bit of pushback to it, I said that Patrick Mahomes in a lot of ways in the modern era has skewed how we look at quarterback and good quarterback play. And it's eliminated nuance because Patrick Mahomes is so unbelievably good. He always comes through in those clutch moments, and he has won Super Bowls even though he's he's started in this, this young career and it's going to flourish going forward. It's still a good Chiefs team. I feel like we have completely lost the plot in talking about quarterbacks. You generally put these guys in elite or trash territory, and then there's some guys in the middle, and people try to draw these massive conclusions based on what they're seeing in prime time, like what we saw with Justin Herbert last night and his struggles. I don't think that it's fair in the slightest. I had a couple of people, and you see this out there as well, and I'm going to call out my brother really quick. He texted me because he knows I'm a – 
I, I, I have been a fan of Justin Herbert, even coming out of the NFL draft when he was picked by the Chargers. I said that was a good pick by the Chargers. Um, but he texted me last night, and we're just sort of talking back and forth. And I've seen this elsewhere. This is not just my brother. He says, Justin Herbert, if, if you just want him to be Phillip Rivers, he's that. But I figured he'd be more by this point. Are we really trying to speak on Phillip Rivers as if he's some negative quarterback? This is a borderline Hall of Famer who threw for 63,000 yards, who's an eight-time Pro Bowler, and he was in the AFC with one of the most loaded AFC quarterback. I mean, we talk about Tom Brady, and you had Peyton Manning in the AFC at the same time Phillip Rivers was there. I, I just we – have, we have skewed so far on what good quarterbacking is and what it isn't. It doesn't mean that a guy like Justin Herbert is above criticism, but I think we need to temper expectations and start to understand what good quarterbacking is and what good quarterbacking isn't. And by every... every Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Realistic quarterbacking standard, every stat, Justin Herbert is in elite territory. He's thrown for 5,000 yards. He was a rookie of the year, and he's a pro bowler. He's done that in three years. And he has turned this Chargers organization, which was completely, I mean, going in the wrong direction, right? Anthony Lynn, his, final, or his, his second to last year, they were 5-11. and 11. They had to move off of Phillip Rivers. Every year since then, Justin Herbert and this Chargers team, they've gone up. They were 7-9. and nine, Then they were 9-8. and eight. Last year, they were 10-7. and seven. They made the playoffs. We'll see what happens this year. We'll see if there's a step back. But I think ultimately – we need to bring in nuance and understand these conversations before we draw conclusions on who guys are at the age of 25 like Justin Herbert is. To your point about all of this, just this season when you look at their numbers, offense and defense, they're scoring 25 points per game, which is pretty pretty damn good for an offense. Do you know how much they're giving up? How many? 24.8. (laughs) (laughs) And and you wonder why they play so many close games and he has to come through in the end. Here are the total points. 127, they've given up 124. Total touchdowns. The Chargers have scored 15. They've given up 14. <laughs> and when you look, it, it, it goes down the list. But then when you get to, like, how many first downs they've given up, the defense is just giving up so many yards, so many big plays. He is having to work with, you know, a tough hand. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't think Justin Herbert is elite yet. I think he could be one day. But he's a really good quarterback And I do think that we need to start being honest about quarterback play in the NFL. We do it a lot with Dak Prescott. 
Is Dak an elite quarterback? No. Is Dak a good quarterback? Yes. Yes. And sometimes that's as good as it's going to get. Look at the NFL this season. A lot of bad quarterback play. A yep. lot of bad quarterback play. Most teams would a take Dak. A lot of Dak. bad offensive play, especially this week. There was, what, 25, organiza- 25 I mean, teams that terrible. scored under 20 points this was, week? The offenses this year have been terrible, and I think a lot of it has to do with the line, with bad offensive lines, but a lot of it has to do with bad quarterback play. Most teams in the NFL would take Justin Herbert that aren't named the Philadelphia Eagles is, or the Kansas City Chiefs. And honestly, very I mean, with the Philadelphia Eagles, I think if you replace a guy like uh, replace Jalen Hurts, especially without he's been playing this year with a guy like Justin Herbert, that team can take off. That's true. Uh, the reason I it's Hurts has been hurt, no pun intended there. So that's why like that one's a little tricky. But if you want to take a team like the 49ers, you drop Herbert on the 49ers. Listen, Brock Purdy has been exactly what they need. Yes. He's been good. Takes care of the football. He can win you games. Justin Herbert on that team is is good lord. I just watch out. I listen. It, it, all these things to say. Some people will call them excuses. Some people will actually take them in stride. But I think ultimately nuance is needed, and we need to take into consideration a lot of other factors when it comes to maybe a lack of success on a Monday night football game against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, how many good Or if we look at his record overall, or him crumbling under pressure in the final two minutes of a game when he has to go lead a game-winning drive. You need to take a lot of different things into consideration. And I just don't feel as if, in this moment, Justin Herbert's getting that amount of grace. And I, I just find it strange. I find it strange. And I do think, in a lot of ways based on what Patrick Mahomes has been able to accomplish in his short career, I feel like, you know, the truth of the matter is he's, he's ruined it for a lot of really elite quarterbacks. I mean, you just go down the list of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen, what do we say about him? Can't win big games. Jalen Hurts, oh, well, he's hurt, and he didn't win the Super Bowl last year. Tua Tagovailoa, who's been phenomenal. And that's another example of coaching. With, with Brian Flores, what was Tua Tagovailoa? Oft injured, couldn't get it done in big moments. Now that he's with Mike McDaniels, they're 5-1 and one and they're the best offense in the NFL. And he's probably the NFL MVP frontrunner. That goes to show coaching. But with Tua Tagovailoa, he can't stay healthy. right? You, you keep going down these lists. Everybody's poking holes in these elite quarterbacks. Sometimes you just have to admit that guy at the top and Patrick Mahomes is that elite. And these other guys are very they're, – they're elite as well. They're just not quite on that Hall of Fame level with Patrick Mahomes at this given moment. If you're honest about it, you got about 14 or 15 good quarterbacks in the NFL. Everybody else stinks. You got about 14 or 15. I just went through them. About 14 or 15. It depends on how you look at some of the rookies. I would say C.J. Stroud is a good quarterback, so I would throw him in so they give you 15. That's half. Half of the quarterbacks in the NFL aren't very good. I just think there needs to be an adjustment by everyone. When it comes to picking up picking apart quarterbacks in this day and age, right, and especially with Herbert, I think that you can have a conversation where you say, "Yeah, there have been moments where he hasn't gotten it done." Absolutely yeah, true. 100%. He hasn't been perfect. He's also had a historically bad defense and a really bad and terrible coaching. Terrible and drawing coaching. conclusions on a guy who's twenty five years old, who's had a five thousand yard season, who's been to a Pro Bowl, who's been the Rookie of the Year. I just can't get there with you. I can't drawing conclusions. In that particular situation, with the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley, that defense, I can't get on board with you. The Titans there's, a lot, there's a lot of story that still needs to be written before we start drawing conclusions about who Justin Herbert is and who he isn't. The Titans would commit felonies to get Justin <laughs> Herbert course. on their team. I, outside, outside of like four to six, four to seven organizations, I think most teams in the NFL – 
would commit felonies to bring in Justin Herbert as their as their franchise guy. I think Herbert's a top ten quarterback in the NFL right now. You could even argue <laughs> maybe argue top, top five. five. And I that's know. great. Yes. He doesn't have a defense and he doesn't have and he has a terrible coach. You say bottom four, he might be the worst. Yeah, he, he might, might be. <laughs> like, there's there's a situation happening like in Matt Las Vegas. Eberflus, but like, you know. I guess, Josh McDaniels, yeah. sure. He's, they're in that group. I think Bill Belichick's making a case Whoa. right this second Whoa. For, at this per- current moment, but at least his team Dave, your mic's on most fire. of the time can play a little bit of defense, right? But even this year, he's at, what was it against the Saints, thirty-four nothing? Like you know, like but I, Brandon Staley's right there at the bottom. When it he's comes terrible. To NFL he's coaching. so bad. Chargers fans want them to lose games, not to tank for any player, but so he gets fired. It, they hate him. They genuinely hate him. Yeah. I have weirdly, I have a few Chargers fans in my life. Ever they hate him with a passion. Yeah. No, and quite frankly, I don't blame them. No. Should have got fired after the playoff game last year. One hundred percent. Regardless of what happened in that Vikings game when he went for it on fourth down, regardless of if they won that game, which they did, or lost that game, I thought he should have been fired because that was just an, you know, I mean that's a mistake you can't make as an NFL head football coach. You can't do that. You can't put your team in that type of situation. I think he has been worthy of being fired for a couple of years, but the Chargers are just sitting and waiting and seeing if he can get it done this year. If he can't get it done this year, we'll see what happens. Spoiler alert, he can't. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. I agree with you ultimately. Now, uh, what would you think of the Chargers fan, the, the, the lady, the lady that was just hyped up more than anybody? I can't I've tell if seen. it's a plan or not. They said they, they she was on the Pat McAfee show today. I, I, I watched the interview, but there I don't know if you've seen our good friend Ryan Horvat. Yeah, a, a photo yeah. has surfaced of her in a Vikings uniform. And well, is that is that true or is that just tell. somebody else? I can't yeah. trust See, anything yeah, you're, now. You're, I can't trust anything on X. You can't. You can't. But she was she was. A I wanted too, to. How about this? She was a little too animated. Sure, but like I kind of I want her to be real. You know, people passionate. The Chargers need something. about the L.A. Chargers. They need something. They need something. But then also, like, I can't blame, I can't blame anyone for thinking she's a she's a plant. From Listen, the they, LA had Chargers. Like they had AI robots because they had AI robots in the damn stadium <laughs> like four weeks. Ago. I don't know. The game. I want it to be real, but I can't trust anything. Yeah. Now, also in the NFL, a couple of uh, news and notes. We'll take a trip around the NFL and do some other things at, at about five thirty. Um, but two relatively big names got signed. I think they're past their day. Uh, but Julio Jones has signed with the Eagles, and we know Julio. Jo- I mean, this is a this is a Hall of Famer. Um, even though we have a log jam at the wide receiver position when it comes to the NFL Hall of Fame, but seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. Uh, last time he played um, was 2022 in Tampa. He had 24 receptions, 299 yards, two TDs. We'll see. I mean, he's not going to be asked to be Julio Jones of old with the Eagles by any stretch of the imagination. But it sounds like. It sounds like, uh, you know, A.J. Brown advocated for him. Olamide Zacchaeus, who's there now, advocated for him. So we'll see what Julio Jones can do in an Eagles uniform. He's trying to get a ring. I respect yeah. it. Yeah. I, ring chasing at this point in his career, go for it. He deserves one. It's, he, he lived through 28-3. I, I think he deserves one, yes. Um, and then James Robinson, who, if we remember when he came into the league out of Illinois State, um, he ran for 1,000 yards with the Jacksonville Jaguars. From there on, just has had some struggles, uh, a lot of different struggles. He got traded from the ja- uh, the Jaguars to the Jets, never really got it going. After that 1,000-yard season, 767 yards, then 425 last year for two separate teams. He has signed 
with the Packers because they need some depth. And they've had some issues with Aaron Jones sort of being there, but I don't see a difference between him and a guy like A.J. Dillon, quite frankly. I think A.J. Dillon's a little bit stronger in between the tackles. And James Robinson, weirdly enough, even though he's, what, 25 years old, might be over the hill already in his career. It's just running backs, the, the, the body blows they take week in, week out. James Robinson slowed down pretty substantially. But I don't blame the Packers for trying to find a little bit more depth. He can, he can add a, a pass-catching dynamic that I don't think A.J. Dillon can do as much as Aaron Jones, so maybe that's what they're looking for. Maybe. Not sure. But even, he's, he does, he's not elusive. It was, it was he's more not of elusive the, when you get him the ball in the open field. It was more of a like, oh, James Robinson, cool. Yeah, but this All right. this does bother me because you're taking away some touches from Patrick Taylor. Jr., yeah, my guy. That's true. Yeah, but but hey, I think there's some depth there, and the Packers certainly need that in that running back room. Now uh, we have uh, plenty of things still to get to on the Gabe Coon Show, and that is going to start in the next segment as we get to some NBA notes. Kevin Porter Jr. has been traded. Um, and we know he's amid a domestic violence assault against his girlfriend, or des- domestic violence count against his girlfriend. Um, and then Grizzlies preseason, there was a note put out by DeMichael Cole um, that Marcus Smart is planning on playing on Friday in the preseason finale for the Grizzlies. We'll break down all that when we return on the Gabe Kuncho 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Before we get into a little NBA talk, LCSs are rolling right along. We had ALCS and NLCS last night. Philly's up 1-0 on the Diamondbacks. I expected that wholeheartedly. Um, and Bryce Harper, man. It is ridiculous what he's doing. He had another bomb last night, couple RBIs. This guy is becoming the face of Major League Playoff baseball. Like that is that is what is what is he doing right now? Is it's it is absolutely positively just it, it captures us right this second. And and honestly, the the scene in Philly every single night when they play at home is beautiful. It's electric. Now we did have Merrill Kelly come out and who's going to start tonight with the, with the uh, Diamondbacks. He did come out today and basically say that, yeah, I haven't played on the field in Philly, but he doesn't think it's anything like the World Baseball Classic when they were playing Venezuela in Miami. So I think Philly fans will be out there and uh, happy. They may have, uh, you think, a couple batteries yeah. smashed in their oh, pockets. Oh, you like batteries, brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wear some extra padding. <laughs> yeah. So that, that game will get going <laughs> at 7.07, Aaron Nola versus Merrill Kelly. And then uh, the Rangers are up 2-0 on the Astros. This is quite surprising. Rangers are 7-0 in these playoffs. They tied the second-longest winning streak to start a postseason in MLB history. They're only behind the 2014 Royals, who had eight. And then Jose LeClerc has closed out all seven games, and that set a new MLB record for the longest streak to begin a postseason of closeout opportunities. They are, are we playing, surprised? They are, they are playing really good ball. They're I, also playing Creed. Yeah, oh, we, yeah they are, we should not be surprised. And know what? I can I be honest with you? I'm glad that we. I think Nickelback's starting to make a little bit of a comeback, and people are starting to realize all of the unnecessary hate, you know, was was unfounded. Um, but I'm glad to see Creed. Creed is Creed is loved out here in the streets. Did we bring Creed back when we sang it Maybe. live on air? Yeah. When we traded for Marcus Smart, yes. can we take credit for that? You're welcome, yes. Rangers. <laughs> Send me a check. Yeah, it's it's not surprising that they've won seven straight playing no. Creed. Absolutely Good not for them. They have to. 
they have to somehow get them to make an appearance. What's the best Creed song of all time? I have mine. It's just like not even debatable. One last breath is is I'm one sorry. last breath is pretty good. And the guitar riff to start the song is just, it's legendary at this point, isn't it? Do you do you have a pick, Connor? No, man. Give me a second. Give me a sec. One do you last have breath. A Creed I don't know. Hires, hires like with Hired, arms wide yes. open. With all, it might that, be with, yes. I think it's with Arms Wide Open. It's probably my favorite. Because you got to sing it on air as well. Correct. Yeah. We had with Arms Wide Open. <laughs> we had, we, we had an, ode to, an ode to Marcus Smart using With Arms Wide Open right here on this show. Office so still I, on the I, table, Marcus. You're sta- <laughs> I can still show you around. <laughs> you're, you're I'll still, show you everything. <laughs> you're still on brand with Arms Wide Open. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of uh, Grizzlies and Marcus Smart, uh, Grizzlies preseason, they're 2-2 two and two so far. They're two, they've won their two home games. They've lost their two away games. They have an away game on Friday um, to cap off the preseason. And it looks like Marcus Smart has told to Michael Cole that he is plan- of the CA that he's planning to play in that game against the Bucks. I was curious about how this was all going to shake out if they were going, you know, if they were going to go full dress rehearsal, which it sort of seems like they're going to do now, or they were just going to play everybody else. You know, the Jacob Gilliard start, if you will, the G League team, Kenneth Lofton getting a lot of minutes. I'm sure those guys will still get a lot of minutes in the preseason finale. But if Marcus Smart's going to play, I'd imagine Taylor Jenkins and that staff's going to try to play a, a simulated start opening night starting lineup for, for Friday's game. So that'll be a fun little dress rehearsal if Marcus Smart ends up going. Absolutely, and I'm just happy that we don't have to have the conversations about if he's healthy or not because it was clear that he, he was healthy. He was doing pregame workouts. He just, you know... He talked about how this is his, he's been in the league for 10-plus years. He knows how to ramp up his body to get ready for a season. Let's trust Marcus Smart. Let's trust Marcus Smart. Um, John Conchar, who we know is like a big, uh, you know, a big point of contention within the Grizzlies fan base. Did you see the news today on him? I did. He won't be playing for personal reasons? Yeah. And he hasn't played in the preseason? It's just, I'm, I'm curious. Hope he's all right. I mean, this was a, what, a three-year... Uh, a solid deal that the Grizzlies gave him, and last year was the first year of it, and it just didn't work out the way they wanted it to. I, I mean, from a role perspective, I wonder what's going to happen with with uh, John Conchar. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be quite honest, for this team to move forward, you kind of want him to not have to be in the rotation. It's, it's like it's a yes. good thing if he's not in the but rotation. Theoretically, for the, Grizzlies. the first twenty-five games, you figured maybe all hands on deck, but they maybe. do have they do have those, a lot. In the those three court. youngins have been playing. They've been playing pretty well, though. You yes. know that might have had the opinions may have changed on Conchar because of that. But all this being said, I hope he's okay and you know he's not dealing with anything too bad. What was it two years ago? He shot forty percent from three. Last year was just miserable for him. Though. Yeah, he was a surprise a couple years ago. He he earned I think the money that they gave him, but it did like you said, yeah. it didn't work out. He was he was just a stopgap. He like you know everybody yeah. knew what he was. But just to to go back to your sentiments, hope he's okay. Yeah, I, I don't want I don't ever want to hear personal reasons. That could be a lot of different things. Could be a lot of different things. Now we did have a trade today in the NBA. Uh, we know that the Rockets are trying to offload Kevin Porter Jr. because he has been accused of domestic violence. Uh, he has a couple accounts of domestic violence against his girlfriend, who's a former WNBA player. But they did get a trade through. That was sort of the big question. Are they going to get a trade through for this guy? Um, because obviously no one really wants to be, you know, to be able to to be in that conversation where you're tied to a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. But they got this deal done, and the Thunder are going to waive him immediately. But uh, the, the trade summary, Thunder, Kevin Porter Jr., two second-round picks from the Rockets. The Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, and again, Kevin Porter Jr. will be waived immediately by the Thunder. 
Uh, this trade was for the Thunder to ga- gather up more draft assets. I'll get to their draft af- assets in a second. It is absolutely positively uncanny how many picks they could potentially make in the next five, six years. Um, but it also requires them to pay the $16.9 million of guaranteed salary left on Kevin Porter Jr.'s new four-year contract, and it saves the Rockets just about $5.5 million in salary and saves the, them the embarrassment of having Kevin Porter Jr. on their team and paying him that salary. Uh, I, I, it's just weird. It's weird to see a guy who's caught up like this, who should be out of the league ultimately, get traded for assets and people are getting what they want out of the situation. But again, we talked about this about two weeks ago. It's, it's business. And it's smart it's business, business it, for the Rockets to offload. It's smart business for the Thunder to try to go get more draft right. assets using Listen, Kevin Porter Jr. as a salary matching. I, I, two things can be true. It's business, yes. It's also a little gross. Yeah, it is. It, gross. You know, he's getting sixteen point nine. That's pretty gross. You don't you don't like that. But it is business. He should be out of the league. I do want to say yesterday, NBA Central I think did something extremely irresponsible with one of their tweets where they well, they, well, they, they commonly, framed it. They commonly they do. do. That. They they're very irresponsible. Do. Um. They framed it as some of the charges had been dropped against them because they could. There was one charge. There was one charge dropped. There was one because they couldn't prove he broke her neck. He is still looking at seven years in jail for beating the hell out of her. For strangulation and domestic violence. The only one I think. Let's not get it twisted. I think the I think the one that got dropped was like bodily harm. It was it was because they could not prove the the vertebrae. Yeah, and she. I I think I think his. I don't know. You know his his girlfriend. I think she said from the beginning when all these things dropped that she did not break her vertebrae and have a neck issue. So, but there's still, again, seven years worth of charges right. that are led against is Kevin Porter He is not Porter innocent. Jr. Yeah, so and, those and like, running with that, please, And, and just truth be told, I'll get back to the Thunder and their draft stash for the next seven years. But, like, between this and the Miles Bridges situation, it's gross. And Miles Bridges, I didn't even talk about this last week, but he turned himself in on an arrest warrant stemming from his his alleged protection order violation against his, uh, his, his the mother of his children. And, like, he pled no contest to the original case, received three years probation. He's also said to be served a criminal summons for an October 6th allegation violating a protection order, misdemeanor child abuse, and injury to personal property. And then I don't know if you saw his mugshot, Connor. Like, he was smiling in the damn thing. And then he changed his profile picture to Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp, of course, in the Amber Heard case, said, I have never punched a woman or never laid my hands on, on a woman. But, like, it's, is this all a damn joke to Miles Bridges? I just I, I can't understand. There's a lot of sort of nastiness right now out there in the NBA from players that from young players that have gotten themselves in these situations. It's just it, it grosses me out. Yeah, and when you look at the whole Hornet situation, like them not like, you know, Kai Jones, that situation going on, them waving him but standing by Miles Bridges, come on. Come on. Like what's going on over there? There was actually a really good piece written today by James Dater. He's a uh, he's a Hornets fan and he writes for one of their uh, for SB Nation. He talked about he wrote about how you know, his fandom for the Charlotte Hornets is having to come to an end because they are standing by Miles Bridges. And I don't disagree. That guy shouldn't be in the NBA. Neither should Kevin Porter Jr. And I always thought it was just like when people talked about John Moran being suspended for 40 to 50-plus games and Miles Bridges only had 30 before the suspension of 25 came down, it was always just ridiculous. I, the NBA needs to take a hard-line stance on this. We know that it happened in the NFL in a lot of ways. Like, they need to, they need to take There's a no hard-line stance. There's no excuses for it. These guys should not be in or near NBA organizations until they get through their pending legal, you know, the litigation, if you will. And they shouldn't even be thought of next to these organizations unless they are fully dropped 
a lot of these. Cases. Well, it's like Miles Bridges is trying to but frame himself as some sort of victim here. What yes, are we he doing? Is. He is. It's and ridiculous. It, and we've seen it several times, like in, in you know, just no, in just like professional sports where talent will outweigh the problems that you have. But in this particular situation, laying your hands on a woman and, you know, causing bodily harm to a woman, strangulation of said woman. Good God, man. It just be better. Adam Silver's got to be better. Uh, the people, the higher ups, Joe Dumars with the players, so like they just have to be better. Ultimately, agreed. And it's it's sad to see, sad to see. Now with this Kevin Porter Jr. deal, uh, OKC, the Thunder get two more draft picks. This draft stash for, for the next seven years is just ridiculous, man. You can't make all these picks, but just thinking about all of the assets they have that they could potentially dole out for a star player is crazy. In 2024, four first-rounders and a second-rounder from the Rockets. 2025, four first-rounders and three second-rounders. 2026, three first-rounders and three second-rounders. 2027, two first-rounders and two second-rounders. 2028, one first-rounder, three second-rounders. 2029, two first-rounders. And let's count it, six second-rounders. And then 2030, first-rounder, just one. And then three second-rounders, including the other of the two Rockets picks. I mean, Sam Presti, what are you going to do with all these things, man? You're going to have to dole them out and go figure out, you know, what you can do on the open market, trade, what have you. Because like this is this is kind of ridiculous what they've done as far as draft stashing. Over they're the, hoarders. They're ho- he is a hoarder. Absolutely. Yeah, get a camera crew over there. And the, over the next seven years in total, it's 15 first round picks and 22 second round picks. They are obviously prepping for the next superstar who wants out to make a deal for them, and they want to make sure that they can keep a team around SGA and the the young core that they have. I understand asset acquisition like this. You just have to use them. Don't let them go to waste, you know, because like you said, you can't make all these picks. It's just insane. It's I mean, insane what they have. And here's the other thing. Like, if let's say Chet works out. Let's say all these I guys work out. work out. Like, But yeah. let's say all these guys work out. Like, even... Do you need SGA <laughs> is an all-NBA guy. He is a superstar. Josh Giddy, I think, could really raise his, Very his good. viability. Um, you have Chet. I mean, yes, there's some guys within the margins. If all these guys pan out how you think they're going to pan out, are you going to need to use these for It's, for, it's going to be – they'll Maybe be like able trade to – Trade deadline, their yeah, trade deadline yeah. things that you could go do. But, like, for a, for a superstar player, I – I kind of wonder if they'll need it here in a couple years. If they're going to need a superstar player, it, they they could, it's it's they're waiting to see if they could get the one guy that puts them over the hump. You know, like it, like for instance, this season, a lot of people. I mean, all their stars are under twenty five, right? Well, and a lot of people this season have picked the Thunder to be a potential top four seed in the West. They think they might be able to make be a team that can make a little bit of a run. You get a and I'll superstar hear your case for that, by the way. Like I like people sure. that are saying that. I'll hear the case. I'm not. I'm not completely blind to what what the Thunder have been building over the past few years. It's they're waiting on the next superstar to get disgruntled and one out. Like let's say that the Bulls. It doesn't work out for the Bulls this season. They might be one player away. Demar Derozan becomes available. Bang, make something happen there. Maybe. Yeah. You know, it's that's just a, for sake of example. Like yeah, no, the I Raptors may never give like we said, OG's gonna be on that team until the day that we die. But you know, if Masai <laughs> decides to trade him out of nowhere, they have the assets for Maybe. it. Maybe. If Philadelphia, who knows what goes on in Philly. But they have this I mean, but even with the Thunder, they have Lou Dort locked up. Like, like I, I don't know. I would know. take. I, no, I would take <laughs> like, OG. But I'm I like saying, like, Lou, but... They, but like, let's be honest. They ha- he's a three point guy yeah. who plays a hell of a lot of defense. He's sure. a little small. He's a little slider pill, but they have that 
sort of defensive specialist that they've tried to build to, to try to I mean, build into their plan. Carl Anthony Towns has talked. To, there's Maybe. been a lot of rumors about Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe wanting out of Minnesota. He, that makes a lot of sense. It makes I'm just a lot curious because like every single year up until 2031, we're going to be talking about the, <laughs> like seriously, we're going to be talking about the Thunder using these draft assets to go acquire people. Well, it's because they have the ability to go do. Don't it. just don't do what the Celtics did. The Celtics at one time yep. had all of these draft assets, and they they were very good in the draft. They they used the draft picks well, but they sat on the assets too long, and they eventually became not as valuable, and they weren't able to use them the way that they wanted to. They had like eight first-round picks or something like that built up over time, and they never were really able to use them to get one of those big-time players. So just don't do that. It's it, They clearly have some sort of plan. I would be shocked if the plan isn't next disgruntled star, let's go get him and figure out what we can do, but it also has to be the right disgruntled yes. star. If it's a point guard, you can't do that. If it's yep. a big, can't do that. If it's a small forward, can't do that. So it, it needs to be a shooting guard or a power forward. Well, I'm still curious about Chet. I'm not fully sold on Chet. He's still slight Chet, I think, I think he'll be a good really player. Good. I think yeah. he'll be a good player, but you just sort of wonder about – It's health. You just wonder about if he'll get – you know, sent to the shadow realm by some of these other bigs. <laughs> you get what I mean? I mean like Victor did headbutt the hell out of him. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what sent happens. The but they, realm. they. I mean, we have seven years worth of picks. Yeah. That what happens when Stephen Adams hits him in the chest? Exactly. Have you ever seen Doctor Strange? It's yeah. like when his body goes out of his body. Is that going to happen to exactly. Chad? Like, pulled back in. Exactly. But you get my point. I, I'm still waiting to see. But I think he can be a very solid, good NBA player. Yeah, I for sure. Anybody would argue that. Um, but we're off to hour number two. And we're going to start it. We're going to get to a trip around the NFL 530, small talk at 550. But coming up next, Jeff Calkins joins the show, Daily Memphian columnist. Also, Jeff Calkins show 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 